This is a Radio.com original. This is Coronavirus Daily, World on Pause. I'm Charles Feldman from the KNX Radio.com studios in Los Angeles. And I'm Mike Simpson. The president-elect has a new plan for getting vaccine doses into arms much quicker. Is it going to work? How different is it going to be compared to what's being done now? We all want to know about the coronavirus vaccines, but doctors don't have all the answers. We'll hear from a physician on how she's handling all the inquiries from her patients and how medical professionals are preparing for wide distribution. People are beginning to envision life after the pandemic, including going back to the office, dealing with that coworker that makes you roll your eyes. Tips on how to cope with post-pandemic life. But first, let's start with the revamping of the vaccine distribution plan. President-elect Biden says he wants to release nearly all available coronavirus vaccine doses. Now, this is a move that represents a sharp break from the Trump administration's practice of holding back some of the vaccine. Will this speed everything up? With us is Dr. William Schaffner, professor of preventative medicine, infectious diseases at Vanderbilt's University School of Medicine, used to work for the CDC. So what do you think? The plan right now is sending out only as many as the second doses that are ready to go, right? But the president-elect wants to push them all out? I think that that's the plan, Mike, Uh, at least as I read it. It's basically the English system. They've decided to get as many first doses in as possible. And they anticipate then, of course, they have the hope that those second doses will come off the assembly line and fill things in. We've been doing it in a much more circumscribed way. We get first doses in to people and then save their second doses. But it looks as though the new administration would like to do it in the more British fashion, get as much partial protection, at least, out as possible with the anticipation that we'll fill in later with those very important second doses. We all need those second doses. And, and, and Doctor, and therein lies the potential problem, as you know, uh, and, and we've discussed this uh, with you, in fact, as well as others on the show. You know, I, I'm in one of the trials, so I certainly know that they are very particular about the timing of the second dose because that's how the studies for both the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines were conducted. So we're sort of in unknown territory, aren't we, in terms of the timing of the second dose if we go much beyond what the the two trials actually studied? Yes. Yes, we are, uh, Charles. Now, uh, that's exactly what the trials showed us. If we analogize from previous experience with other vaccines, the timing of the second dose is not that critical. Getting the second dose is, but even if you delay the second dose, you don't have to repeat the first. That's our experience with other vaccines. And so there's a reasonable anticipation that that plan will work for COVID vaccines also. Suppose it doesn't. Oh, well, then we'll have to go back and redo things. But I think everybody who's sitting around the table, all those experts think that it will. So let's hold on to that until we're shown not to be correct. We're going to get into this a little later, problems with the actual distribution chain. But I guess, you know, if there's not a lot of confidence in that right now, is there a concern of flooding the market and saying, OK, you can have all of these? Well, we still can't get the ones that we have into arms. So what are we going to do with all these extras? Well, first of all, getting as many 
vaccines into arms as possible will spread out at the very least the partial protection. We know that at least one dose gets protection up into the 70, 80 percent. We don't know for how long it will last. And that's really why we want to give that second dose. Uh, we have two problems here. We have the people who are eager to get it. And then we have another problem, which is that once we give it to those folks, we have a lot of people who still remain skeptical and whom we have to persuade in to get the vaccine. Dr. William Schaffner, Professor of Preventative Medicine, Infectious Diseases, Vanderbilt University School of Medicine. Doctor, thanks as always. Doctors are getting asked all the time now about the COVID vaccines. When are they coming? How do I get a shot? Should I be worried about side effects? Do you like those different voices there? <laughs> That's a very nice. Yes. Thank you. So what are they telling anxious and eager patients? Let's ask a doctor who sees patients every day. Dr. Anita Gorwara, family medicine physician, medical director of the urgent care at Providence St. John's in Santa Monica. So I guess one of the most frequently asked questions is, how am I going to get it and who from, right? Yeah, we get those questions every day. My in-basket is kind of inundated with uh, the same question. Put me on the list. When is my time coming up? Uh, you know, uh, when can I get the vaccine? And, uh, you know, we keep on um, <laughs> pushing back the date. Um, and I don't think we're really sure because it is going to come through. Um, the vaccine distribution is going to come from Los Angeles County through the county and uh, of public health. So, they actually did uh, recently just release, uh, if you go to their website, you can see where, what phase you fall into for vaccinations. So we're still in phase 1A, which means our, all our health care providers who we thought were vaccinated have not been vaccinated as yet. So they're still trying to get through the 1A before we even get to the over over 75-year-old patients. So to, to make sure I, I'm totally understanding this, uh, the, the very same uh, county health agency that has done such a bang-up job in containing the uh, pandemic to begin with is the same uh, agency that is in charge of the distribution for the vaccines. Is that right? Correct. So why are we expecting any better outcome? Uh, we're not. Um, that we, we were kind of, as, as healthcare providers, really thought that we would be the ones responsible for, um, at least for the Moderma vaccine, not, uh, not necessarily the Pfizer, because that's difficult to store in our offices, um, would be able to distribute it to our patients. And now we're still kind of in limbo about how, how we're going to get the, the vaccine distributed to our patients. Um, and the the exact um, protocol has still not been fully um, um, done. So yeah, has there been we, any guidance there, on on like if I'm just a, a doctor that has a, a private practice and I mean you're you're connected to St. John, so maybe it's a little bit different. But is there some letter that went out that says, hey, send us your info and and, and how many patients you have in a certain age group or or pre-existing conditions no, or whatever it is, and nothing, nothing. like that. Nothing like that has happened. Um, the only thing that, I mean, and they're, they're, you know, it was, we only found out uh, yesterday that actually the uh, healthcare workers have not been 100% vaccinated. So, so we, we were kind of shocked. And so now we're going to be, I do know that we're supposed to step forward. I mean, my practice is going to uh, help, you know, get some of these healthcare workers vaccinated. But it, within the healthcare workers, there's all these tiers that they've got. Uh, and they have to get all of them vaccinated before we can even start going to the general population. So 
they're estimated they'll be hopefully by early February. We're going to start with the uh, with the over 75 uh, uh, patients, and um, and then you know we'll have some sort of you know guidelines to give our patients. But you know we we really but, thought we were going to be vaccinated patients by the middle of yeah, January. And, and that and, just got pushed back yesterday. And and I, I guess I don't understand, and 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 maybe you don't either. But if you do, then 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 help me understand. <laughs> I guess I don't understand why we have to keep pushing things back. Why we don't have a plan. This pandemic has been now raging out of control for over 10 months. We've known about the vaccines for quite some time now, in relative terms anyway. Uh, and even if we didn't, we should have been making plans. Why aren't there plans? Why aren't And why aren't heads rolling in the streets uh, of people who are supposedly in charge of making these plans who clearly aren't doing it? You know, I'm I am just as amazed as you are because you do you do hear of you know I have patients who have family members in in Texas and Florida who've already gotten their first dose of of vaccines, uh, you know the high risk patients, and it's kind of like well why can't I vaccinate my patients yet? And it does come down to how they're going to roll out. And I think in the beginning they weren't even sure if they were going to do it through the local county public health or whether they were going to do it directly with the the pharmacies or whether they're going to do it through doctor's offices. Now, at least they've come up with the plan that they're doing it through the county. And now the county has to figure out for each county is going to figure out how to distribute the vaccine vaccine. So LA County is now, I think, going to start with first trying to get the healthcare workers vaccinated and the ones that were missed who are not associated with the the big uh, hospitals. But I go back. But I go back to what what I said a little bit earlier to you. I mean, this is the same county that. Yes, right. That's I mean, right. I mean, our, our pandemic. And you look at a map. We are one of the worst places in the entire country when it comes yes. to the spread of COVID. And the same agency in charge of trying to control that is the agency trying to figure out the distribution of a vaccine. And there's no plan that you, as a physician, still have. So I go back to. I, don't, I guess I don't understand why people aren't being fired. I I am I agree with you 100. Um, percent It is you know we we're not one of the worst. I think we are the worst. And uh, um, why this isn't happening quicker and um, why they haven't got their act together as far as distribution of of the vaccine is is pretty devastating. And uh, for all of us in the healthcare field and for our patients, I mean, we should get our high risk patients vaccinated as soon as possible. I mean, it should be the top priority in, in before all this, you, you probably in your mind, you what you had a, a sense that there would be some sort of process clearly laid out to say how many patients over 75, if they're the next step, do you have? And then you could easily say that and say, you know, here's my dosage number, send me those, and then you get them, and then we're off to the races. But that is, that, we're nowhere near that. Yeah, we were hoping that that's what it would, it would be as simple as that, or the fact that we would get the vaccine in our office and we could start doing it ourselves, you know, um, and, and, you know, calling our patients, because we do know who's at high risk. It's not that yeah. difficult to figure that out. So, um yeah, but neither one of those things has been established as of today. Maybe the solution is the people who are supposedly coming up with these plans, since they're not, maybe they should get the vaccine last. Yeah. Well, I, you'd be surprised that, <laughs> that you know, what would be who's considered essential and not as far as getting the vaccination. But at this point in time, I'm 
I've kind of reached the point where I was less like, whoever can get the vaccine, just get it. Just get a poke in the arm. Just get vaccinated, everybody. Every one. That's the only way we're going to do it, whatever order. I mean, it's almost like, yes, we want to do it in a certain order. But, you know, if you can get get the vaccine, then get it. Yeah. At this rate, um, every poke in the arm is a good one. Uh, Dr. Anita Gorwara, family medicine physician, medical director, urgent care, Providence St. John's in Santa Monica. Dr. Gorwara, thanks. With the coronavirus vaccine slowly being rolled out across the country, and we do mean slowly, we are beginning to imagine what it'll be like to go back to normal, returning to social situations or even being back at the office. And that is already causing many people anxiety. If we didn't, as if we didn't have anxiety enough already, right? Yeah. Uh, KYW's Matt Leon spoke with clinical psychologist Dr. Jamie Zuckerman about how to prepare for the stress of life after all of this. Are you starting to hear from people that you work with some of these concerns like well my job's talking about bringing me back to the office and I don't know how I feel about that Has, has that started to appear on the radar yeah it has particularly with work for sure people who have you know corporate jobs let's say that can work from home that have been working from home there's the expectation they're going to go back into the office you know maybe in you know march april may whenever that whenever that happens and a lot of them have gotten very comfortable being at home and in fact have been more productive at home there's a lot of you know extraneous variables that are not in play anymore and so they're able to they find that they're able to concentrate better they find that they're able to you know, kind of set their own schedule based on their lives, which, you know, is the opposite at, at work. Usually our lives have to kind of fit into our work schedule. Now people's work schedule is fitting into their lives and it gives them a sense of control over things. So to give that up is a big, big shift. And people have a lot of anxiety about that. I have a lot of patients who their work involves a lot of travel and now they're going back into things and the travel is the part of their job they hated the most. And so now they have to go back into that. And it's, it's very upsetting for them. And people are, you know, questioning their future and the companies that they're in. So I have absolutely seen this a lot. When we're looking at purely from a work standpoint, there's a lot of jokes about, or there used to be in the before times, a lot of jokes about, you know, how this meeting could have been an email and stuff like that. For the last 10 months, that meeting has been an email or maybe a conference call and stuff like that. And I, there's going to be any job, there's a certain level of frustration there's a, that you have to deal with. Are we going to see those levels kind of multiplied if people have to deal with meetings and stuff like that, that now they, they, they know can be done over an email or a five-minute yeah. Zoom call and stuff like yeah. that? It's, I just think it's going to be harder to deal with this kind of stuff on a day-to-day basis when you kind of know there are better options available, right? Yes. I think that if we do it just to do it because we've always done it, you know, and that's true for anything in psychology. You know, if you if you have a certain pattern and I say, you know, well, why do you do that? Well, I don't know, because I always have. Okay, but why have you always have? I don't know, because I always have. And there's no real answer to it. I think that if, if that's the case and we do it just because we've always done it. Yes. I think people are going to get extremely frustrated with that. If there is a valid reason and productivity increases, or it's something that really needs to be done face to face, even though for now we've been sacrificing that, that would make more sense to me. But I, I think this all or nothing approach, either we go back completely to what it was, or we stick with what we're at now um, is going to get us into trouble either way. I think there's going to have to be a shift, but I 
I don't think it's going to be this going back to this old way and that, and that's it. I think people are going to, I think people are going to agree with you. And I think that people are going to cut down the amount of unnecessary interactions that we are used to having, you know, scheduling meetings for meetings for meetings. How about situations with coworkers with whom I don't want to, they're not enemies, but people you just didn't get along with people. You rolled your eyes at stuff like that. Yeah. And you've gotten used to not having to deal with them. And Mm -hmm. the possibility is now you might have to go back. And I would imagine that is going to be once again, because you've had this long break without that tension, it's Mm -hmm. going to feel even worse. How would you approach situations like that? It's something that's unavoidable, right? So to, again, accept, not like, but accept and tolerate the discomfort of okay, this is going to happen. There's nothing I can do about it. There's that loss of control again, but to sit with that and accept that. And exactly what you just said, the understanding that because you've been without it for so long, it's going to seem more heightened than it usually is because you're not used to it. You've been away from it. You haven't had to prepare to deal with them, right? You haven't had to put in that extra energy and emotional effort. So at first it's going to seem very draining and exhausting. So reminding yourself that it's not that it is, it's just that you haven't been used to it for, for a while. You know, it's like anything else that, you know, working out and your muscles are going to be sore, but after a while, you don't, you know, you don't feel it. So it's, it's kind of like that. It's, we have to allow ourselves to habituate to these scenarios that we haven't been a part of for a really long time. And like anything, when you habituate to it in the beginning, it's always felt in a stronger way or it's, you know, more anxiety provoking or more stressful. And then it starts to not get less. It's just that we habituate to it. Finally, some good news on the health front. Before the winter season began, medical care providers feared that we would have a so-called twindemic, both flu and the coronavirus surging all at the same time. Well, luckily, public health officials are breathing a sigh of relief with unusually low flu activity. The CDC has a weekly U.S. influenza surveillance report called FluView, and it has been showing all 50 states in green, which means flu activity is minimal or low. Now, experts believe widespread mask wearing and other health measures that are in place against COVID-19 are driving down the number of flu cases in record low numbers. Imagine that. It's almost like washing your hands is good for you. Yeah. (laughs) Strange. Uh, You can find us on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. (laughs) 